Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 5th edition Vampire the Masquerade tabletop role-playing rules by World of Darkness. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. Listeners should know that this podcast is intended for a mature audience and will include strong language and mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and so forth, that may bear resemblance to entities living, dead, or undead, is strictly coincidental. My name is Rena Henze, and for tonight's game, I will be your storyteller. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Old Ways podcast, Vampire the Masquerade Chronicle, Blood Moon Rising. I'm your storyteller, Storyteller Rena, and tonight uh, we are going to be dealing with the fallout from some very interesting events in our previous episode. But before we can get around to that, let's do some character introductions. To my right. Hi, this is Mike, and I'll be playing Marcus Voss of Clan Ruha, who's had a wonderful evening so far, uh, except for all the squishing sounds. So much squishing. These young vampires these days, I tell you. Right? And to Marcus's right. Hi, I'm John. I'll be playing the aforementioned young vampire, uh, Vince Markovich. And Vince is going through a time. He's, he's, he's dealing with some stuff. He's great. Nothing too serious. Just a bit of light murder. Nothing existential. Absolutely not. And to Vince is right. Hi, my name is Tegan and I'm playing Rom the Shaman. And I am getting back into the groove of things and I suspect nothing bad could possibly happen to me. Nothing whatsoever. Why would you even think that? And at the end of the table... Hi, this is Ali playing Katarina Bogdanovich of Clan Toreador. And I've gotten a buttload of information that uh, needs to be addressed. Mm, yes, I'm, I'm certain it doesn't affect your coterie whatsoever. Not a bit. And to my left. This is Tiffany and I play Alex Giovanni. And when you ask me not to ask questions, but don't give me a full body, I cannot do my job. I've just got to let the bodies hit the floor. Am I right? All right. So let us resume our evening in San Francisco. And we will begin with one Katerina Bogdanovich, who has perhaps picked up some information that they, technically speaking, shouldn't have. So, Katerina, you were spending some time with Vera Giovanni, who gave you a good bit of her life story and perhaps a little something extra. And you've had tea, you've sat, chatted for a bit. She seems a lot calmer now, a lot more back to her old self, very elegant, very gracious, the hostess of Clan Tremere. And it's probably about time 
socially speaking, that you brought your visit to an end, lest you be taken for a vampire of loose morals. I will say my goodbyes. And as I'm getting ready to leave, I'm going to offer my hand to her again. She takes it. I will kiss the back of her hand on her knuckles and depart. You get a very high eyebrow raise from that. But she smiles at you and she signs without needing Paula's interpretation this time. See you later. I'm learning. I'm learning. Slow process. You're you're doing well. So you set off into the evening. It's about 10 p.m. at this point, so you've got plenty of night ahead of you. What would Katarina like to do? She's on a mission at this point now. She is going to find the nearest phone, payphone, whatever she needs to, and she is going to call Marcus first, and if he doesn't answer, she'll call Alex after that. Okay, so Marcus, Alex has given you the information they gathered from the corpse, what little there was to gather, and you've heard this loud sobbing coming from the bathroom where you banished Vince to clean himself up, and while you're dealing with all of that, your phone rings. Okay, I likely look at in the direction of the bathroom and then pick my phone up <laughs> kind of just slow walk to the bathroom this is Marcus this is Katarina hmm. good evening less of a good evening I have information the Coterie needs to know and let's just say that some correction needs to take place Hmm. Would you care to meet? Uh, Alex and Vince and I are at the office, if you'd care to join us. That is not the kind of place we should meet. But I have no way to get a hold of Ram, and we will need a private space away from any humans. Understood. I mean, I have the space here in the office for several hours. I'm time checking again really quick, storyteller. Is it, what, 10 now? It's about 10 p.m. and you okay. told 11. Marie yeah. to come back around 11. Okay. All right. Let me speak with Alex and Vince. I'll be back in contact with you as soon as possible. You have my pager. I do. And I will hang up the phone and I will head back towards the bakery. Okay. So you go back to the bakery and there's a, a couple holding hands, walking out. They're each carrying a bag of cookies, it looks like. Uh, one of them looks fairly drunk and keeps trying to make out with his partner as they're coming out of the bakery and partner keeps pushing him like not now you idiot wait we're in public oh my god 
but this is a fairly common occurrence at this time of night, uh, especially in, in your area. But there don't appear to be any other kind around as, as you go in, just this couple that's come in for cookies and left at 10 o'clock at night. What would you like to do? I'm going to check the back and just see how everything's going. Check out, check in on Lucy really quick. Lucy looks up from the stand mixer, industrial size stand mixer, where she's making a ton of sugar cookies, it looks like. And she smiles up at you and says, Hey, Katarina, having a good night? It's been so quiet. It's boring. Sometimes that is what we need. Um, what I want you to do after that batch of sugar cookies sells, we are cutting them off for the season. We will be starting something akin to this pumpkin spice, but not quite. Oh yeah, that's always super popular. Like last year, we just couldn't keep them on the shelves. I've, like yes. that couple. Did you see the couple that walked out? I heard them asking the girl at the front desk when we were getting the pumpkin spice back. Yes, which is why I've, uh, I want you to disregard the tarts and the sorbet for tonight and do a couple batches of those cookies so they're all set. And then I will add those to the production tomorrow night for Cora, so you don't have to worry about those unless you have extra time. She nods. Yep, got it, got it. I can do that in my sleep. I could even do it in torpor if I wanted to, I bet. And she smiles. Uh, then her brow creases a little bit. Have you seen Cora? She hasn't come in tonight. Yes, she is... She is doing something else for me. Okay. I, I, I was just a little little worried because she normally comes in and checks in on things and, and all of that, but I haven't seen her. No, she'll be all right. Okay. I usually am in contact with her uh, once a day or so, um, and she will be in the next three nights. And if she's not, you must contact me on the pager immediately. You understand, yeah? Yep, got it, got it. All good. Uh, Lucy's been a lot more restrained since the tongue lashing you gave her a few days ago. So she's a lot more calm. And she doesn't seem as chatty as she used to be. Well, in some ways that is basically what Katarina expects. I really need her to be more professional at work and... Sometimes she was having a tendency to talk and her hands were still. When she should be working, meaning her hands should be moving. Yes, she's definitely working the whole time that she's talking to you. Uh, and she says, um, do you think, I, I know I don't ask very often, but do you think I could have some of the red velvet tonight? I don't get the craving very often, but I miss cake. Tonight, all I can think about is cake. Yes. You and Cora know, you and Cora know that 
you are welcome to any to any of the products within reason, obviously. But yes, of course. She smiles and nods. Thanks. I, I just wanted to just make sure because, you know, um, I, I was just being careful. Um, are, are you going to be in it's- for the rest of the night or you got other plans? I, I just want to know if I should continue on, on my own or if you're going to be here or... No, unfortunately, I have some other business I must take care of. I am sorry to be so absent lately, but I do trust you and I trust Cora to get everything done. I will update production sheets near the end of the night, right before I go upstairs. Her face lights up when you say that you trust her. But she wisely refrains from commentating on it. It's great, I'm 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 in the groove. Uh, do the kids say that anymore? I guess not. Um, I I I know what I'm doing. I got this. You know, you've been doing this a long time. You deserve some nights off. Don't don't worry. I got it. And if Cora comes in, you know, we'll take care of things together too. So it shouldn't be any problem. It's so quiet tonight. I would not expect Cora tonight, but tomorrow for sure. Okay, you got it. I'm so excited for the pumpkin spice. And she starts grooving a little bit, just like doing a little dance as she's working on the last batch of the sugar cookies. Have you have you had a fresh human when they've just been ingesting pumpkin spice? It's so much like fall. It's the best thing. I will just wave at her as I uh, go up to the as I go up to my haven and I have all these boxes of people that, you know, have been screened and approved for the services of the bakery and it's about time they've gotten some overhaul. So I'm going to start working on that while I'm waiting for my pager to go off. Okay, so you sit down, you start working through your boxes, and we will leave you there with your research and your overhaul, and have a check-in on our friendly neighborhood Malkavian shaman. So, Rom, you have fed enough to take the edge off your hunger a bit. You're still hungry, but you know that if you go any further, you're going to do damage instead of starting to heal Mickey. So you finish up as you go as close to the edge as you think you can safely do, and then you use your saliva to heal up the wound, and perhaps it starts taking a bit of the edge off that scar tissue that's around his throat as well. And Mickey, when you tell him it's okay to okay to go for the evening and he can come back next week, he looks in the mirror and he He's a little dizzy, but he touches his throat. And just, Whatever you're doing, it's I think it's working. Whoa. Good. Yes. Just make sure that you take the steps very carefully. I don't want you to slip out there. And, you know, the process does kind of affect the nervous system a bit. So uh, I've, I've got an I'm going to take an Uber. Uh, Adam wouldn't let me drive. And he was oof, probably right, he says, as he sways slightly. Absolutely. 
here, uh, uh, Ruthie, can you help me, uh, help Mickey out to his vehicle? Preeti comes in through the beaded curtains and she puts uh, an arm around Mickey's back, drapes his, one of his arms over her shoulders and says, I got it. Uh, don't worry. Uh, his Uber's outside already. Very good. Excellent. And as Mickey leaves, I'll just um, make sure I don't have any red on me. Well, you're looking as pallid as you normally do. I feel better. I really do. You feel a bit more centered. I do. You got that right. I am... I'm going to go ahead and check my uh, messages and see if anybody's tried to reach out to me. You look through your messages and... You have a couple post-it notes from both Preeti and Eric that you assume are a couple days old. Uh, Just, uh, this customer canceled their order, this client showed up, but we couldn't find you, etc., etc. Notes that they must have left you and forgotten to throw away. But other than that, you don't really have any messages from anyone. It doesn't seem like your coterie is looking for you. Hmm. I mean, that can be a good thing. No, absolutely. Um, in that case, I think I'm going to, if everybody's good at the house, then I think I'm going to head out. As you're going through your messages and figuring out what you want to do for the rest of the night, you hear a polite cough behind you and Eric is standing in the doorway. He's he's looking a little tired and you know, he's still covered in facial piercings, shirtless, dreadlocks, all that kind of thing. But he's like, um, Master Rom, it is good to see you. Um, it has been a few days and I was wondering if you could Give me some of the essence. Uh, I sleep better, you know, and, and uh, I was going to ask three days ago or three nights ago and you weren't here. So uh, w- would you mind? Absolutely. And I think to myself, yes, Eric, you, you don't look like you're at your best. And I can completely understand how that feels. Why don't you come over to the common areas here? Uh, There was a uh, vinyl that came in for me last week I've been wanting to listen to anyways, and we'll we'll take a moment um, and see if we can recenter ourselves. Eric nods, and he's very stoic. He doesn't smile very often, but you see just the hint of a weary smile. And uh, I appreciate it. Master Rom, you know, I don't like to ask for things, but it's it's been a while um, and I just, I don't sleep well. Communication is key. Yes, yes. Of, of course. And 
he goes into the common area with you. Uh, so describe what this scene looks like when you when you give your essence, your vitae to one of your ghouls. What is this process for you? What is the scene? No, absolutely. It involves me sitting down across from Eric in this case, and we start having a conversation um, because everything Rum does involves talking. And um, I'll go ahead and open up a vein in my left wrist. And as I'm having the conversation and I'm explaining to him my own interpretation of the relationship between vampire kind and human kind in this case. I will take a smear of that blood from that, that vitae from that vein um, and I will place it across his lips. And what I'm explaining while I go through this ritual practice is something that would be very heretical, I imagine, to other vampires. This concept of mutual codependence and my belief that vampire kind is meant to... Kindred are meant to guide and help groups of people, groups of tribes, in order to help them achieve their best selves. And that's the process that I go through that. And I've wrapped this all up in a package of whether or not I believe it or not, this pseudo a bit of Abrahamic religion, a bit of the Bhagavad Gita, just all of that kind of wrapped together. And that's what I do psychologically as well as physically to bind them to me. So you put on your new vinyl. What what is it? What what is Rom listening to while he has this cult ritual? Actually, uh, it's weird because it's it's um, it's just the original soundtrack to Star Trek Picard season one uh, in a very decorative art vinyl. But there's some really great pieces in there. So uh, he wanted to check it out. So I imagine visually it's very incongruous with the moment. But that's wrong. So that's fine. You have this soft swelling music <laughs> playing. The lights are dimmed. The French the common The common room is closed closed off. You've pulled the curtains. There's no doors in your tribe's home, just curtains, and, other than the door down to your basement. And so you pull the curtains. There's a few candles around the room. Very ritualistic. That part is very important to you. And so you both sit cross-legged on the floor on these brightly braided rugs that you picked up from uh, a market stall. Guy said they were made in Nepal. Uh, and whether or not that's true, you feel like it's true, and therefore it is. That's so enough. it's enough, as long as you believe it to be so. And so you start talking through the process in this very calm, gentle tone. It sort of lulls Eric 
into a bit of a, a trance almost between the, the incense and the candle smoke and the music and your voice, which you put a lot of power into. And he closes his eyes as you draw a cut across your wrist and let the, the blood begin to ooze out of the wound. And he bends his head towards your wrist and he begins to drink greedily and as you're talking through him and you you feel him feeding it's 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 kind of powerful for you that your your tribe your children really would engage in this kind of ritual and trust you with this and it's just a bonding moment between the two of you and then he pulls his head back and cracks his neck and there's blood around his mouth and you can see that he looks stronger already his eyes fly open you don't see the dark circles anymore there's a flush in his cheeks his muscles look slightly bigger or maybe that's just you you're not sure but he looks enlivened and he wipes away the blood from his lips with the back of his hand and he puts his palms together and he uh, does a little bit of a head bow and uh, says I will begin my meditations as we normally do Master Ram but thank you it was most enlightening that's very good I'm hoping that you being here is as beneficial to you as it is to everyone in the house and to myself. I am honored, Master Ram, to be part of your tribe. And he draws his hands across his face in a calming gesture and he crosses his legs and closes his eyes and he begins to meditate. We'll leave Ram sitting with Eric for a bit in your traditional meditative practices uh, post providing an essence of yourself to your tribe and let's cut back over to Marcus, Vince, and Alex I uh, walk back into after the very short conversation um, I continue through to the office hang up the phone and then try to figure out what has become of Vince and his, shall we say, galoshes. Yeah, I was going to say, I probably, while he walked out, I probably was walking towards the bathroom. You open the door, Alex, and you can hear the sobbing from down the hallway. It does not let up. And as you open the door, you see Vince curled up on the floor on the cold tile floor in the fetal position. there There's a bloody towel off to the side and there's water splashed around the floor, a couple puddles, but he's just curled up and his head is buried in his knees and he is sobbing as if his heart is breaking. I'm going to uh, bend down and uh, pick Vince up by his shoulders have him stand up 
grab some paper towels or whatever and clean up his face. And I will look him in the face and tell him, like, look him in the eyes and tell him, you have nothing to be sad about. I killed a woman. I I lost control and now she's dead. I could have stopped. I didn't. And how do you feel? Not your feelings, feelings. How does your body feel? I mean, I... I mean, I've never felt so strong, but... You will... But, uh, you would have outlived her. I could have done it without killing her. I could have done it without making her disappear for... for, from. For everyone she knew? I mean... Do you really think that she knew a lot of people that way? I mean, also, I don't know. why do you think that they are our food? Because they are less than us. We were all them. We, we were all them once. It's It's not like any of us are just born this way because we can't be because we're dead. Yeah, because someone chose you and saw something in you. But you feel better. You are stronger. Look at look in the mirror. Look at your skin. You look better. Vince looks in and he's just like just can't look himself in the eye. He just like looks at his reflection. He's like I could have just gone with the bags. I could have just bagged. No, not in the state you were, and you know it. Why do you think you went ahead and did it? Because we all need to every now and again. He's just, he's hyperventilating to some extent. He's just like... <gasps> yeah, he's, he's kind of trying to... He's like... You don't get it, Alex. You don't get it. I... I help people die well. I gave her a terrible death. I, there was no closure for her. It came out of nowhere, and and she do you wasn't think ready. we ever get closure? Do you think Luther got closure? Do you think Felix is feeling okay? Death is death. It happens to us all. And he just looks Alex in the eye and he's like, I'm not, I'm not going to forget that woman. You will. Her name was Veronica. She was a person. I won't forget her. You will. It's been how many years for you? Not that many. Trust me, I have a lot of years behind me. And I could not begin to tell you the name of the first person I killed. I don't even know if I asked. Won't forget. You hear Vince and Alex talking in the bathroom, but at least the, the crying has stopped. Hmm. I'll uh, step in near the doorway. Hey, Vince. Marcus, how you doing? Sorry about the... Uh... State I came in. Uh, thanks for the t-shirt. No, don't thank me. Thank the your 
fellow members of the Longshoremen's Union who are always happy to assist those who are in need. Quietly a little nod. He's just like, yeah, that, sure, I guess. <laughs> what are you, um, size maybe eight or nine? Eight and a half. Yeah. I'm going to find you some boots. You can't wear those shoes anymore. Um, they need to get bagged. He's like, don't, don't worry. The blood is mine. That's why I'm worried. Oh no! It, it turns out that uh, when I don't feed, I uh, <laughs> did you know that I was an atheist before I uh, turned? I uh, I uh, yeah. It's uh, it's really weird when you all of a sudden develop stigmata. Um. So I have so many questions right now um well luckily for you you won't have any time to even answer them because we have something to do so I'm gonna get you a new pair of boots and a garbage bag and maybe a few Clorox wipes and you are gonna go to absolute town here for the next five minutes before we find a place that we can have a friendly private chat amongst the coterie that was Katarina on the phone and she's requested uh, because of some new information that's come to light that we gather together again and sort it out wonderful where are we meeting that's what we have to decide I offered us the opportunity to meet here, but she wasn't um, keen on the idea, given the mortals that occasionally frequent the location. Um, but don't you have control on whether or not they're here? I, I do, Alex. I simply didn't want to argue with the Toreador tonight. I don't want to make her uncomfortable. So we just need to find a relatively calm and quiet location many of which I could offer near the docks as well. I have um, other facilities that might be useful. I just want to point out, when you said you don't want to make her uncomfortable, Alex's face probably looks a little confused. Like, I don't get it, but okay. It's fine. Why wouldn't you want to keep someone on the back foot? <laughs> Why wouldn't you want to keep them off balance? I think we're fairly certain that... Um, Vince's place is a little um, maybe too spooky for some people. Um, it's also not a place that has uh, we'll say it's a place that definitely has prying ears and likely eyes. Yeah, I can definitely see. I think it's a good idea to return where we were a few nights ago. After all, I've just gotten the place cleaned. And um, yeah. What about is there some kind of neutral ground we could go to? Like, uh... Yeah, it's called Elysium, Vince. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the place we went to. The issue with Elysium is that it's not private at all. I suppose that's kind of the point. And yeah. there are even more ears. So while it might be safe, depending on your perspective, it isn't necessarily private. In fact, I'd argue that it's not. A lot of the, um... Well, a lot of neonates do tend to frequent Elysium because it is safe and it's a place they can pick up on 
well, kindred society, at least in the method that the Camarilla presents it as. Not that that's always correct either. All they show you is what they want to show you. Well, I agree with you that maybe we should just uh, use one of your facilities nearby. Um, and maybe that'll be good enough. It's the one stable Elysium in San Francisco is the Vampire Club, right. run by one formerly known as Oscar Wilde. And while it is a safe place, no breach of etiquette has ever happened on the premises. It is definitely not quiet or private. And all of y'all showing up in one one group would definitely be remarked upon by pretty much everybody there. So, Considering I've probably never been there. Yes, Hikata's not known for frequenting the Vampire Club, so... Yeah, the last person that, like, Marcus wants to tip off to the Coterie even being together would be, like, the Harpy. Because the Harpy's going to ask a ton of questions. Oh, absolutely. The problem with the Harpy is that you can't get around them socially, right? It's impossible. Um, because they can, they help control court statuses, and that's not something I want to... Marcus would want to mess with, so... Um, I'm going to get on the phone to Katarina and I'm going to give her some relatively quick directions. What we need is to get a hold of Rom and have him meet us in the same place. And if he doesn't have a vehicle, we need to fetch him. All right. So you give Katarina an address. So Katarina, your pager beeps with uh, an address down near the docks, but not exactly on the docks and not in the labor office. And Marcus, are you calling Rom? Or are you asking Katarina to call Rom? Oh, no, I wouldn't ask Katarina to call Rom. Uh, I'll call Rom. So, Rom, as you finish your meditative practices with Eric, and then Eric gratefully gives you a hug and goes off to do whatever it is he plans to do with the rest of his evening, probably eat a lot of pizza, your phone rings. Hey, Marcus, what's up? Um, we need to get together and talk, the five of us. You got something new? Someone certainly does. Understood. Where am I going? Um, Pier 32. Park near the north portion of it. And then um, take a walk. I'll come find you. Okay. You need me to bring anything? I don't think so. What would you bring? I don't know. Um, trash bags? And probably couldn't hurt. Okay. Uh, I'll get some from under the sink. I right, see you there soon. I hang up. I'm going to page Katarina. And then wait. So, Katarina, you've gotten the page. I will give Marcus a call. Oh, Katarina, um, I'm going to supply you with an address. I've gotten in touch with Rom, and he is meeting us at a relatively quiet location. Very good. I'll uh, give her the very similar directive. Okay, 
So everyone has been informed as to where to meet. Marcus, you can leave a note for Marie telling her when you'll be back. I do so. And you can all set out for the meeting place. So Marcus, Vince, and Alex, you obviously arrive there first because it's fairly close to your location. A little bit later, Katarina comes in off the public transportation system and Rom shows up via Uber about five minutes after that. Rom, do you have the presence of mind to have the Uber drop you off a couple minutes from the address or do you literally pull up to the address in the Uber? Oh, no, I have perfect presence of mind. I, uh, of course I take a walk down the pier. Okay, so Rom's Uber drops him off just a few minutes walk from the actual location and he comes strolling in looking a little calmer than he did the last time you saw him a little more put together and you have all assembled so we've assembled in what appears to be a collection of shipping containers uh, the inside of which have been retrofitted slightly uh, with what looks like like thick padding they the floor doesn't clank the the walls are muffled when you get inside Um, it's not at all opulent it seems much more spartan as if it's purpose-built but it is a little a little deeper than a single container or two and the bolt locks on the main door are fairly heavy This is as uh, private as I could make it. There are probably a collection of chairs, um, maybe some pretty simple, a a simple table or something like that. Rom brought a box of great value uh, black trash bags. So, I look at Katerina. So, I had a chat with... Vera Giovanni earlier this evening and she gave me some very interesting insight apparently Ram keep your mouth fucking shut for once in your life Ram puts their hands up and sits down so there is a lot of Irrelevant information that she told me, but her father was murdered in Italy, but I do not think it was a murder because there was a lot of blood and he was having nightmares, much like our other victims. And they started about two weeks ago. He was here. At the time. So. This is strong enough to go. Literally a whole continent away. Whatever ritual this is, if it's a ritual. Or it was something that started here. And if it started, you cannot escape it by leaving. It is hard to tell. I was also told that we have a Ventru coming from Chicago by the name of William Mallet. 
All right. Well, I can't say that I'm surprised. The two older vampires, um, you can give me a roll for this name because you're old enough to perhaps know who this is. So you can give me, say, intelligence and awareness. There isn't really a history skill, unfortunately. No, usually for something like that, most people just roll straight in. Yeah, but I want to give people a better chance of succeeding at this. (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) Jeez. Okay. Um, I would like to, if I may, um, Mm -hmm. use a point of willpower and re-roll my failures. Okay. You may do that. Very good. I have four successes, one of which is a 10. Ooh, I have two. All right. So, Alex, you know the name. And you recognize the name as one of the very high ups in the Camarilla. Very, very powerful vampire. And... He hasn't been seen in years. He tends to keep to himself. He doesn't emerge except for council meetings and sometimes not even then. He hasn't been seen in a good 30 to 40 years. And he hasn't left Chicago in longer than that. Marcus. name again? Mallet. Like the hammer. And Marcus, with your role, uh, you know exactly who William is. He used to be known as Guillaume Malay, and he invaded England with William the Conqueror. He's very old. Yeah, nearly a thousand years. So we're talking like Battle of Hastings stuff? Yes. He has been meddling in various western cultures ever since but when the internet age began he kind of went underground for the most part and you've you've heard various things through your criminal connections let's say about power brokering and some things on the dark web his name has come up a few times, but he's been referred to in the underworld as Billy the Hammer. And it's bad news if he's leaving Chicago and coming here. Very bad news. Do I notice anything across your face when you think of this guy? So if I may, then, bad news in what way? Right? So... He's a very powerful Ventru who's going to mm-hmm. physically move from wherever he's at. He's, he's a near thousand-year-old vampire who's going to come directly to the city. Um, there are a lot of reasons why he could be an issue. But unless he's purpose-built to come in here and crush a bunch of shit, he's still going to have to adhere to the, the prince's rule over the city. So things you know... Especially with that critical. He's very high up in Camarilla. And it's likely he's coming here partially because of Felix Conrad's murder. 
but if he's coming with any purpose from the Camarilla, it could destabilize the current regime. Usually when a vampire of that power is sent into a place, it's because the Camarilla is having some kind of misgivings about the current power structure. So there's that aspect of it. But you also know that he doesn't tend to care what kind of chaos he causes. Yeah. No, so he's he's a... Hmm. He has destabilized regimes, both human and in the kindred world, for centuries. Him and his, his friends, his little inner circle. Okay. That's probably... Yeah, I probably would be able to think or get more than that in the moment after the name is mentioned. Exactly. Does any of your shock or awe or recognition come across your face? Oh, certainly. I'm not a, um, I'm not an oil painting like some people. Uh, so I, I'm very much a creature of emotions. Um, so I probably look concerned. Then I probably I, do a, a fair bit of like looking around. Like, with my eyes, not my head. You two obviously know who they're talking about. Oh, I I don't show that I... I'm just like, I'm not surprised that they would send somebody higher up when Felix is gone. Trevor, even in his best day, was not suitable to fill that position. Mm. It's not just that, though. It, William is a... He's not just a powerful vampire who's been around for hundreds of years. Which he is. It's not that he's well-connected with his own clan. Which he is. Or well-funded. Or likely carries with him uh, an entire cadre of underlings, ghouls. Um, not simply in the art of making war, but finance and information. It's like moving... It's like a pestilence. That's what it will be like if he comes and decides to stay. He'll chew up all of the information he can. Suddenly, none of your kindred or kind contacts will want to talk to you because they'll talk to him because they fear him. And given that he's whom he is, anyone who he doesn't like, he'll simply smash. He's called the hammer for a reason. And it could be because the higher ups in Camarillo society are unhappy with what's been going on in San Francisco. Or maybe they view the anarch problem in Oakland as far too close to losing another stronghold on the West. And they see William as a potential stabilizing force. And that means that neonates and others will get squashed. It's the worst kind of kindred bomb. It's the worst kind of directed control over a, a domain. It's the worst part of kindred society. It's the tower coming in and playing... playing God, choosing who rules, like they always do, 
but in a direct way, not in a secretive way. The prince is powerful in San Francisco, Rom, but they don't hold a candle to William, and they won't. And if it's a direct confrontation, forget it. So what are we going to do about it? Well, we're going to have to try to determine how long until he gets here. We need to wrap up our investigation. We need to come to a conclusion point. We've gathered some facts. The moon has not yet full. We have to get closer and work harder to get it solved. Because if we can at least put it to bed and rest before William gets his full complement of uh, abilities at hand, we might be able to get out of the way at least. Some of us who've distance ourselves from kindred society, especially Camarillo society, might be fortunate or they might not. Because keep in mind, a new prince can choose to remove the right of domain. They could just tell you you can't live here anymore. That goes for everyone. And don't think because William is a member of Clan Venture, they won't look directly at Clan Bruja first. It's a big threat. We'll have to treat it as such. I suggest we all keep our heads down then and stay very, very quiet. Well, that brings us to the most important part of this meeting. And I'm going to look at Rom and I am going to use Daunt. So for Rom, you'll need to roll Resolve Composure. Is this where the trash bags come in? Perhaps. <laughs> and Allie, you're rolling presence plus intimidation. Correct. Just for the listeners. So, Allie, how did you do? I got three successes with two criticals. Yeah. So, how, how are you daunting him? I'm gonna be extremely outwardly furious and I'm going to be standing over him as he's sitting in a chair and my eyes are fixed on him. So, Rom, Katarina stands up as she's talking and you're just like, okay, things are happening. Okay, bad things. And then all of a sudden, this tiny five foot two or five foot three vampire is somehow looming over you. It's like she's grown three or four feet. That's, that's, she's so much taller, it feels like, the presence of her. And you try to lock eyes with her because you don't understand. You don't know why she's looking at you with the fury of a thousand suns. And so you try to look back and you lock eyes with her. You're able to do that, but this is where that messy critical is going to come in. She's looking into your soul, is what it feels like. And you physically shrink back, which you are not used to doing. You are usually in control. You are usually in charge. But this tiny, usually quiet Toreador has intimidated you to the point where you physically push yourself back from her. Absolutely. I'm going to just mumble and ran, ramble uh, 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 Shut adverbs. 
your fucking mouth. Do you have any idea how much danger you've put all of us in? You are the biggest fucking blabbermouth that anyone has seen. And then, of course, because you're a fucking Malkavian, it is part of the whole, the whole clan because of your powers. And this is why I don't trust Malkavians as a general rule. Because I also found out from my contact that not only did you tell, but she knows far too much about this investigation. She should not be able to ask me questions because of your carelessness. You are very lucky that I am not ripping your throat out right now. If the prince finds out, if they haven't already, you will be lucky to survive. From here on, if I find out that you have spilled any more information at all, I will bring you to the prince myself and watch them cut off your head. Do you understand? Yes, I understand. Good. Have you considered that the prince asked a Malkavian to be a part of this coterie because they wished to have use of the network? that we all share. Yes, it has been considered, but that does not give you the right to blab and run your fucking mouth. Keep our investigation quiet, because I would almost guarantee that the prince will have your head. Understood. So the rest of you are watching this literal Toreador explosion. And I imagine the look on John's face through all of this is Vince's facial expression. Sometimes glee, sometimes terror. Yes. <laughs> I'm just casually leaning against the wall, like, waiting for it to be done. Which is totally fair. I'm not mad at you. Alright. Rom is definitely interested in appeasing Katarina with sincerity though at some point in them they still believe that although they are not going to say it out loud that they are doing what was desired of them but obviously not saying the quiet part out loud that brings us back to the, the same question which is what do we know about what's killing the vampires of San Francisco? Well, considering our conversation, I think uh, we um, might have a new lead. I still have to get a hold of my contact and ask about the high-level Tremere that was supposed to be in town. We just lost a relatively high-level Tremere, right? 
No offense. No. Well, yeah. I, yes. But this was a different one. Uh, you know they travel in packs. Uh, I gotta tell you, the uh, I don't know much about the inner workings of Clan Tremere. They like it that way. They do. A lot of secrets. And he just, Vince just nods with everybody. But sometimes, family is family. Certainly. Secrets get out, too. Okay. Last time we were all together, we thought that it might be some sort of ritual. Has there any been any leads on that? I haven't uh, had any specific That's what I was just talking about. Okay. So... I suppose, perhaps, then we're waiting to hear back from whatever information may come our way that way. Has anyone spoken with the prince since our meeting? Has anyone communicated with them in any way, perhaps? Have they asked for any sort of update? I haven't heard anything, but that is my concern. At some point, they're going to come rapping on our doors asking for a solution. Have we set aside a corresponding secretary? No, I don't believe so. We essentially got our marching orders and were promptly kicked out. I nominate myself for treasurer. All right, well, barring any of that, then we know what we know about the bodies. We know that there's some sort of self-inflicted wounds that eventually cause the deceased to do some rather gruesome things to one another. The body that I had you take a look at wasn't kindred, though. It was mortal. And so we don't know if there's any connection there. Well, that's why I think maybe it's something that the uh, furballs are doing. Okay. Uh, Anybody know any werewolves offhand? Well, aren't they, I mean, aren't we all just best friends with them? Right. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm just saying it's another point. And even if it is something they're doing, I don't know how much we're going to be able to do about it. Unless we can get some hardcore evidence and slide it to William's direction and let him take care of it. Yeah, I'm not necessarily willing to just abdicate all of our responsibilities to the Prince of William when he, when, if and when he arrives. Yes, but if you need some cannon fodder, he's the one you send. Well, there, there's other potential cannon fodder we can absolutely send William's way. The question will be is, will he take the bait if that's what happens? Well, that's why we need to see if we can find some actual evidence. Agreed. So we know that it struck at Clan Ventru. We know that obviously our gangrel sheriff, former sheriff, was cursed with this as well. And, well, potentially then Vince's sire. And Trevor, which is Felix's um, child. Possibly the, the prince's uh, blood sibling. Certainly who may have also been a victim of it. All of these victims share a pretty common trait, right? A couple of them. 
They're vampires, obviously. Um, their wounds were seemingly self-inflicted, yes? In most cases, yes. We don't know if... Um, we don't know about Karen. We don't. But mm. I think... I think that Karen, with all due respect, might have been trying to figure out a way to get it out. What if all this is is just dirty blood? What if there's something infectious in this blood and it's used as some sort of, um, it's just, it's like a, it's like a vampiric version of COVID, except that it, it's a chemical weapon. Well, like a bioweapon. I hate to, I hate to break it to you if I am, but the kindred of, of not just San Francisco, but of the entire world have an awful long list of enemies. There are a whole lot of people that know about us that don't want us around anymore. That, and you got to assume that then they're sharing the same herd. Not necessarily. Or do you think they're in... Well, and or they would have to know their movements enough to infect humans that they're going to come across. Right. That's exactly what I'm saying. I'm saying it's targeted. So you think that that body, that mortal, was somebody that... Would we assume that that body of the mortal was supposed to be aimed at maybe you and you didn't get it on time, per se? I mean, quite frankly, I'm not. I don't think I'm as important as uh, some of the other people who've uh, fallen, clearly. Well, I would assume since you found it, it was near you came pretty close to home, so to speak. I mean, Trevor's not that important either, but he seems to be infected too. I mean, he's sort of important. Trevor's sire is important, yes. Well, yes. What if it's a demonstration? Some sort of test? Trevor just got mixed up in it. Or an experiment? Do the werewolves have that kind of I quite honestly have no idea how to answer the question. I don't know enough about werewolves other than we tend not to circle together. (laughs) There's a fairly long-standing history of animosity between the two cultures. But I would also be surprised to see them in the city. But... Well, and this begs back to the question of the gangrel, right? Where a lot of this all started. Dina goes and gives a vision to both the, the Cindy and the country gangrel, right? And afterwards, there's a fight that spills kindred blood. After kindred blood gets spilled, for whatever reason, things are broke up and the country gangrel give the big peace sign and head to the hills, right? And quite frankly, in a lot of historical ways, when gangrel and Nosferatu leave a, a, an area... It's usually a canary coal mine situation. Other kindred are put on notice because those who are going to hear when bad things are going to happen first are are gone. I mean, for ages, the Nosferatu and the Gangro have been kindred society's early warning system. The early warning system here went off days ago. We might be the only ones listening. If it is infected blood aimed at kindred, 
perhaps injected through mortals and into their feeding areas, right? I know a little bit about Venture. Most of them have very specific feeding practices for good reason. So the question is, do we know where Conrad and and Trevor fed? No, as far as I know, they picked people at the club, as far as I could tell. At least Trevor did. Felix, who knows? I mean, I was just, I, I just worked out a deal to get more information about him. But now that he's gone, it doesn't matter. But Trevor's still around, right? Barely. Think you could interrogate him? I have tried to talk to him. He is, he's close. We're gonna lose him. Then we better act fast. He might be the only live lead we have in this investigation. I use live in a relative term, of course. Well, that's why I wanted to keep him around so that maybe he would talk or see something different or something. Right now, he's locked in my closet. It seems strange, given the fact we're in San Francisco. Meh. Agreed, but it's the safest place for him. As it is for some people, some other people. Okay. Well, let's just, I'm going to just ask this then. Anybody really good at questioning people here? Oh, everybody's talents to bear. That's what we're going to need. So you want to interrogate? I think we want to interrogate. And it doesn't have to be in a medieval way. It can be in a, a nuanced way. I can compel people to do things. Is that useful? It might be. So... Why don't the two of you arrange a discussionary with Trevor and see what you can get out of him? Anything. Because right now, we have nothing else to go on. There are no other leads. Well, that's why I kept him around. I'm certain between the two of you. That's also assuming that he's still alive when we get there. I have to make a pit stop for him, though, on the way back. So, how about you give me, I don't know, about an hour, and I will see what I can get out of him. Okay, and you're taking Rom, then? Sure. I wave. I have some matters at the office to attend to, but uh, Vince, you're welcome to stop back there with me. Vince needs to go read to Mina before she gets real, real mad. Yeah, yeah, guys, I, I gotta go home. It's been a few days. Um, Very well. But thank you for the offer, Marcus. Certainly. From now on, if we, if we need a quiet place to talk, this should do. Vince, may I accompany you? And if vampires can blush, Vince does. Um, he's just like, uh, sure. Yeah. I, I have no objection. Um, 
Very good. Like, but, but I should warn you that my house does have a ghost in it, and we are relatives, so... Oh, and she absolutely views herself as the landlord and me as a tenant, so just be aware of that. And also, I haven't been home in a few days, so there might be spiders everywhere, but they're not real spiders. They're, uh, as I can tell, psychic Vince. projections of spiders. This is all fine. I just have something I wish to discuss with you. Like, oh, okay. Not in the same manner as Ron. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, well, yeah, that's fine then. Um, I have some work to do at home anyway, so yes, it, you can even help me with it. Uh, no, that sounds fine. Okay, so the meeting breaks up now that you have some plans Alex and Rom set off for Alex's apartment making a stop along the way Katerina and Vince make their way back to Vince's bungalow and Marcus you just take the short 10 minute walk or so back to your office and the light is on as you go in Marie is still there it's about 2.30 in the morning right now. So she's still there. And you can go in. She's sitting at the desk. She's got a coffee takeaway and she's eating what looks like a donut. She sits up when you come in. Oh, sorry. I wasn't expecting you till three. Uh, I don't normally eat at the desk. Uh, oh my. Powdered sugar sure everywhere. Does. Sorry. Again, it's it's your desk. You can eat there. I, I just don't like the mess. I was going to have it cleaned up before you got back, but uh, everything okay? Yeah, everything is as good as it can be. Uh, okay, I looked over great. your notes on the um, on the case. They seem seems pretty open and shut for us. Yeah, it's really dumb that they're taking this to court. I mean, they're going to lose, and they really, really should settle out of court. I guess they just don't want the optics of settling. Because, you know, whenever someone settles, and then it's obvious they did something wrong. But just dumb. Should have just paid her and kept going. Whatever. I've been giving a lot of thought to something. Uh, why don't you... See to the cleanup and meet me upstairs. Oh, uh, okay, sure. Uh, I'll, I'll be right there. And she starts hastily brushing powdered sugar off the desk and off the front of her shirt. And you can hear her finishing the cleanup as you go up to your office. Okay. I'm going to go into my office, into the refrigerator, and I'm going to extract a wine bottle. One I used last time. Um, the wine bottle is mostly empty, except uh, while she's cleaning up, I'm going to add a little bit of something to this wine bottle before she arrives. All right. So you go through your procedure, fill up the wine bottle, put out a glass for her, and you hear a, a knock at the door of the office. Come in. She comes in. Uh, she looks much more awake than she did when you saw her a bit earlier. She must have drunk a lot of coffee. She's like, don't worry, I'm not twitchy. That's not my thing. 
I think I, I think my blood is mostly caffeine at this point. Is it? Well, I mean, ever since college, yeah. I gotta have at least six cups a day or I'm not functional. <laughs> she sits down on the couch. The end of the day with the drink, it's the best thing for me. It uh, levels me off a little bit. I find after a lot of our union deliberations, it's exactly what I need. Yeah, it, it gets really stressful sometimes. I, I get that. It's really hard to unwind, especially when you get... There's just so many things to get worked up about. I mean, just you see so many horrible people and the leeches like that R4 guy and, and the others like him. Sometimes I think those guys travel in packs because every time one of them goes away, there's just a whole bunch more of them that pop up. And it's like, how can they do this to people? And you, she's getting a bit physically worked up. Like, see what I mean? Uh, God, I mean, I love the work. It, it's good work we're doing, but God, some of these idiot humans. I mean, I'm a human, but I'm, I hope I'm not that idiot. I, I try to be a good person. And I think it's all you can do, right? Uh, is try to be a good person, at least with the time you have. I, I try. And this is all we got, right? One life. That's what they say. That's what they say. I uh, pour a glass of wine for her and then for myself. I'll uh, take it over to the couch and sit down next to her, much as I did last time, and say, the, the men and women who taught me what it meant to be part of this union had a lot of old traditions. And you probably have heard of... Uh, one of the older bosses that used to, to come around David uh, hasn't in many years, of course, because he's long since passed, but we had a lot of traditions. And one of them was to commiserate with one another after a long shift. It's part of the bond that makes up a union. And even by its own definition, right? A union is meant to unify and pull people together, especially during stressful times. I remember hearing stories about Bloody Thursday in 1934 here and watching as police and their associated thugs murdered union workers to try to prevent them from continuing on in this, well, the struggle that we'll likely continue to face for a long time. Your work here has been invaluable to that union. And it does not go unnoticed. And to union members, uh, the type of union members that I have been a part of, we have a very special way to inaugurate members such as yourself. She lets out a little half giggle, half chuckle. It's like being in a, I was in a sorority in, in college. It was, it sounds kind of like that, but, you know, better because there's not hazing and getting really stupid drunk and 
all the other stuff. I'm, I, I don't know if you were in a fraternity or anything, but this, it, it was really dumb. But yeah, kind of, kind of sounds like that. It's a little bit like that, but it's a pretty special and exclusive club. And tonight, I'm going to offer you a membership in it. And when I say this, I'm going to project out with awe and just kind of like let my presence fill the room. Her eyes get a little wider. She's like, oh, sounds great. I mean, this is the best job I've ever had. Uh, you know, I've worked some really soulless kind of corporate work, but I, every, everyone feels like people here, you know, and, and I'm, I'm really happy to be part of it because I, I don't feel like a robot, you know, just going through an assembly line kind of thing. Like, it's hard work, but it's good work. And, and even, you know, with Greg getting annoying and, you know, sometimes Phoebe cries too much, but, you know, we're we're a team. It's mm. it's great. And, yeah. And you're a passionate person, Marie. I can tell that. I think that's an important part of what we do. Passion through strength. You found that here, and you're not alone. In fact, I can assure you, after tonight, you'll never be alone. Your union will always be with you. That, that, that sounds great. Um, and she, her hand shakes a little bit. It's like, I, it's pretty much all I got. Um, I reach out and I take her hand and just try to reassure her. Okay, so do I need to do anything? Um, like, <laughs> There are no unspeakable O's for you to swear to, if that's what you mean. Your service here is important. And what you signify by drinking with me tonight is that you'll agree to be within this union as long as it will happen. Absolutely. Like that, that's not even a question. <laughs> it's a very important question, actually. Because there are things that go on to protect the people and the workers of San Francisco that we're going to have to do. And it is no longer an I do, it is a we do. Do you understand? She pauses for a minute and then she straightens up her shoulders and looks up at you through her glasses and her chin sets and says, well... Honestly, like, given everything that's happened since 2016 and with what I saw the other night and just the more people who come in like R4 and, and other people like him. Honestly, we need to take the fight to them, I think, sometimes. And if that's what we got to do, if that's what you do, then I want to help. We're in a position to help, and we should help, because if we don't, we're failing. Right? Right. Just keep that in mind, though. You've already... You've already figured out the solution to the problem. People like R4 come and go. The union lasts forever. I raise my glass. She raises her glass. Her hand is shaking slightly, but she doesn't 
break eye contact with you and she clinks her glass against yours in a toast. Yeah, I don't break eye contact. And she takes a deep drink from the glass. I will watch her reaction with great interest. She draws deep from this glass and you can see the muscles around her eyes tightening in confusion and she finishes the swallow and then she looks at the glass and then she looks back at you and says what is that that's whoa it's fortified wine it's some of the oldest in San Francisco never had anything like that I feel like It's like you put speed in there or something. It's a personal vintage, actually, from the Union. Oof. And see why you keep it for special occasions. And you can hear her heartbeat is getting stronger. It's getting faster. You're sitting so close to her that you can feel it. And she looks at the glass, and she looks back at you and says bottoms up. She drains the rest of it. Good girl. Let's take on the lawyers. And that is where we will end tonight's session. Thank you very much, everyone, for joining us for another very interesting episode of Blood Moon Rising. We look forward to your listening ears again next time. Thank you and good night.